the giver, not the gift. And uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29, looking at verses 11 through 13. And we'll go to some other verses uh, in the scriptures as we move along. But we'll start in uh, verse 11, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. This is the Lord speak, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. The Have you ever met somebody or known somebody and you catch yourself thinking about them it could be a guy or a lady a man and all of a sudden you say you know i just don't know what i think about that guy have you ever you ever come across somebody like that you're just not sure what i really think about that person well god's never been there god god's not like that he sits there and he says for i know the thoughts that i think towards you um, and the thing is, um, what are the thoughts based on the verse 11? What are the thoughts that he, uh, he thinks on us? What's that first thing he thinks of about us? Peace. And, um, you know, you sit there and you, you think about, uh, that God is thinking about us and he's thinking about wanting to extend peace to us. Would you agree with me? That's a great gift. I mean, think of, think of all the things in life. Possessions sometimes become a burden. I mean, you can own a lot of property, and then every year property tax comes due, and then maintenance of it, and then insurance of it, and then trying to keep people from messing with it and tearing it up. Uh, you can have, uh, my dad used to say about a car, is that the more things you have on it, what's more things it can break? And that's because that's the reason in 1976 he still bought a new pickup without air conditioning. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, that, that's another story. Uh, but the thing is, uh, you, you get to looking at all the different issues of life that you go through. And at the end of the day, if in your home there's peace, when you go to lay your head down on the pillow at night, you can do it and there's peace. You get up the next morning and the things you got to go face, but inside in your heart, there's a peace. I mean, really, when you get to thinking about it, other than knowing, you can't have it without knowing Jesus, but that peace of God that passes all understanding, it passes understanding, is something to uh, cling to. And his thoughts toward us are peace. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 11. Hold your place here. We'll be coming back. But in Matthew chapter 11, a very common verse, um, our Lord Jesus speaking, and he sits there in verse 28, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now, when he says here, he says, I'll give you rest in verse 28. And then in verse 29, he said, you shall find rest under your souls. Is that just not another way of saying peace? 
I, I believe it is. And But notice the conditions. First of all, Jesus says, come unto me. You know, and of course we know you first have to come to Jesus for salvation. You have to come to the saving knowledge that Jesus Christ is your only hope of getting into heaven. You know, no works can get it done. Uh, It's all a matter of trusting what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Anything else is a slight to Jesus Christ. If you add baptism to it, then you're diminishing Christ. If you add church membership, you're you're demeaning Christ. You're taking something away from what Christ did for us on the cross. The thief on the cross, all he could do is look across and trust and ask to be forgiven, to be remembered when you come into your kingdom. And the thing is, uh, what did Jesus promise him? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to come join the church, didn't have a chance to get baptized, didn't have a chance to uh, do anything for the Lord. He just simply believed in the Lord, and it led to his salvation. So that's the first thing. But the other thing is, is that come unto me, He's talking, I think, mainly to Christians. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you ever find this world kind of burdensome? Yeah, you know, those individuals that the only purpose God created them for was to make your life miserable. Have you ever met any of them? Uh, Hopefully you've never been one of them. But uh, but there have been some folks out there. The thing is, um, he says... I will give you rest when? When you come unto me. How many times are we busy asking God for something, but we don't ever come into his presence in our heart? In other words, think about who you're talking to and the great privilege you have to come before the throne of the living God. And... And then stay there a while. You know, the thing is, I think the reason maybe we don't is because we're kind of afraid what he might want to talk about. And it doesn't have to be the sins of omission or commission. It could very well be the sins of omission. The things that we could be doing better, the things that we're not doing. And so we we go through our ritual of prayer. We do pray. We don't neglect prayer. But we don't take time to come unto Jesus and to really saturate, let his word saturate our heart and break down the, the, the confusion. How many of you have ever been reading the scriptures and you're reading through it and all of a sudden you find out that your mind's way off here somewhere else thinking about, is the pot roast, did I turn that thing on Sunday morning? Uh, you know, the thing is, you need to go right back and start at the very beginning because everything you've read to this day hasn't done you a bit of good because your mind's not in it, your heart's not in it. You need to go back and just start all over again and realize who we're coming into the very presence of. We're coming into the presence of God Almighty, yet we're allowed because we're children if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all... How many parents, when a little toddler comes up to you and puts her hands up, what's going to happen? They're going to get picked up, aren't they? And we come to our Heavenly Father, truly come to our Heavenly Father with our little arms stretched out, and we want to spend some time with our Heavenly Father. He's going to commune with us. But the thing is, I think we know that. 
And so that's maybe the reason we don't do that as much as we should because there's always some areas in our lives that we could probably do a little better in. And we just soon kind of coast along. And so we don't do it, but because of it, we miss out on that rest, that peace that can be ours. Because when your God is really big in your eyes, because you've been in his presence and you've come to him and you've submitted yourself to him and you're praying and you're reading your scriptures and stuff like that, your God becomes awful big and your problems become more in their place. Also, he says there in verse 29, he says, learn of me. I mean, when we look at the Gospels, we're seeing the life of Jesus Christ, who was God personified. He took, I mean, when we read in the Old Testament about the hand of God, the arm of God, uh, you know, the different things about God, he's given us a picture, something we can relate to, uh, we can put our mind around. But we have the very actions and words of Jesus Christ, who was not only the Son of God, but God the Son. And he says, learn of me. In other words, how did he handle situations? How did he treat people? How long did he have patience with people? Uh, And the things like that. And so as we learn of Jesus... And we allow him to be our teacher, that we allow him to be the role model he wants to be, that we spend that time with him. He said, you shall find rest under your souls. And again, to me, I think that's just another way of saying that's peace. Now, back in our text, where we're back in Jeremiah, he says in verse 11, he says, um, again, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give unto you an expected end. Have you ever found yourself worrying so much about a problem that is on your mind all day long and it even robs you of your sleep sometimes at night? I mean, I don't think I'm the only person that's ever been there. But the thing is, human nature is that way, isn't it? Now, when you're in that state, and almost to the point of distress, and maybe even a little bit of depression setting in because you're worrying about something, what expected end are you expecting when you're worrying like that? It's not a, not a good end, is it? I'm about to fall down. I don't want to do that. Uh, the thing is, it's not a good end. In other words, your expectations are not very positive or you wouldn't be worried about the situation. But God says he's, he's thinking about peace toward us and not evil to give you an expected end. And the, the thing is, is he's got intentions for us to give us a glorious deliverance and a perfect end uh, that he will give unto us. And the thing is, we know if we're saved that when we die, where do we wind up? In heaven, the very presence of God. I mean, uh, you know, I must admit, I was over at the villas and I was teaching over there. And, uh, and you know, they wanted to, you know, a lot of people have expectations that it's always going to be a, a, a bed of roses, you know, life's just going to be. And I said, well, you know, the Lord will take care of you. 
But he took care of John the Baptist. He chopped his head off and had him took to heaven. You know, now that's not necessarily the way we would think of being took care of, you know. But the thing is, God had a glorious deliverance for him. But in most cases, we can claim the promises of like Romans 8.28, that we know all things work together for good for them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, it's conditional. That part about called unto his purpose. When God calls, do you come running? You know, it's something to think about. Most of God's promises are conditional. But he promises that he's going to turn everything to good if you love God and are called according to his purpose. So the thing is, you can have an expectation that there's going to be a blessing at the end of the trial. Now, if I stepped out of line and I've done something wrong and I'm being took to the woodshed, the expectation of getting better is to chastisement is going to drive me back into a right relationship with my Lord, which is good for me. It's the best place for me to get to, but the ouch in between, that's on Rick. You know, the, the expectation that I got was of getting back into a right relationship and not being mule-headed and sticking my feet in the ground and saying no, because God says yes, and he'll just up the ante. And he'll just uh, he'll just make it more painful until Rick decides to get on you know, on the on track. But the thing is, I think uh, God's expected expected end for us is going to be glorious re- deliverance uh, from most of the problems that we worry so much about. And then heaven, you just can't deny that that's going to be a glorious deliverance. The thing to remember is our God doesn't do things by halves. You're, I mean, you're not going to be disappointed by God. Think about the, the blessings. If you can remember back to the day you got saved and the thoughts that ran through your mind as far as all of a sudden you just almost loved everybody. I remember the day I got saved, I walked out of the pastor's office after talking to him. It was two men like our trustees waiting to lock up the building. And the first words out of my mouth, I just got saved. And then my folks didn't go to church, but Lisa's folks did, so I didn't go home. I drove over to Lisa's folks, and when he answered the door, the first words out of my mouth, I just got saved. You know, there's just a, I was 18 years old, but there was just a, a tremendous lifting of burdens. Lift, there was a joy that flooded my heart. There was just, uh, you know, just uh, I wanted to get into church. I wanted to get into my Bible. I wanted to be obedient. Um, didn't know anything about anything, uh, but I wanted to learn more. You know, and, uh, although there was some times, you know, you're just learning your Bible and stuff. Preachers up there preaching a message, and he preaches about something you hadn't heard about before, but you've been guilty of, and you go, "Ouch!" You know. And uh, and then, of course, Satan, he's trying to sit there and whisper in your ear, well, if you had saved, you wouldn't have been doing it, you know. But that's a lie of the devil. you got to be retrained. Amen. You know, you, you, you picked up a lot of bad habits, and God's got to take you by the hand. And that's the reason it's to his glory and to his honor when the changes get took place. But the thing is, he has a glorious deliverance for us. He doesn't do things by halves. Uh, he's not going to give us... Uh, our expectation of fear. We don't have to give in to fear. 
If you want an idea of how God's going to treat you in the future, look back at how he's treated you in the past. You know, he's the same. You know, the, 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 that song, Count Your Many Blessings, there is a, there is a lot of truth in that. There, there is a lot of heartache that could be dropped off to the side if we just start counting our blessings. It'll get you on the praise ground after just a little. You can be almost depressed with worry, and if you truly will sit down and start counting your blessings and the things that God has done for you and is doing for you and the things that we have promised to us in the Scriptures, you'll find yourself in a praise mode. It won't take long. you just got to stick with it. But that's that coming to Jesus business. And that's learning of Jesus because you're making yourself remember how faithful he's been to you and how the things that he's done for you. Um, But, you know, the key is, again, you know, when you find yourself, you know, he's not going to give us our expectation of fear, but nor is he going to necessarily give us our expectation of our fancies. Like, I don't expect any of y'all to win the lottery. You can pray about it. You can do a lot of different other things. My problem is I never buy a ticket, so I don't even give them a fighting chance. Uh, but the thing is, um, we sometimes have our wish list of things that we wish for. We have these fancies that we would like, and that may not necessarily be God's desire for us, or it might spoil us to such a point that we'd be useless to the kingdom of God. But he's not going to allow us, to, he, he doesn't want us to give in to the expectation of fear. But, you know, how do you find the peace that gives us the patience to allow God the time to let the fruit of his planned blessings ripen? You know, God's got plans for us. How many... You know, I've shared with y'all before the, you know, my thoughts on Joseph, and he asked the butler to remember him, and the butler got out of prison, got back before Pharaoh. You had to know if Joseph asked the butler to remember him, that he probably prayed about it. He was hoping the butler would remember him. Two two years went by, and the butler didn't remember him until Pharaoh had his dreams, and then the butler remembered him. But what if he had remembered him the week he got out and had shared with Pharaoh the, how this young man had been treated unjustly and they had led him out of prison and he went home. Look at the 14 or I think it was 14 or 16 years. He was either in there for 14 years or 17 years altogether in, in captivity Went from the time that his brother sold him into slavery until he was elevated to being prime minister of Egypt. But he got out two years before. If he got out two years before that, if that butler had remembered, do you, how do you think he would have looked on those twelve, or sixteen, or fifteen years of his life being took away? How do you think he would have reflected on those years? Stolen years, lost years, and then when he got home and he told his dad what his brothers did to him. And his dad, Jacob, sit there and say, yes, and they brought your coat home covered in goat's blood, but they told me it was your blood. And I've been sitting here thinking a wild animal had tore you to pieces for the last 12 or 14 years. Just think how he would have felt. Just think what it would have done to that family. It would have just torn a family apart. And then in another nine years, the famine was coming. 
And Joseph wouldn't have been in a position to help his family. But in the right time, God went to work. And Joseph not only came out of prison, but got elevated all the way to being the prime minister. But how do you have the patience to hang in there and not lose your faith? Where, where does the peace come from so that you have the patience to do that? And I think it comes from seeking the giver of the gifts instead of seeking the gifts. Your confidence has got to be in the giver. It's got to be in the Father. It's got to be in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, and and you can go with me if you would, um, well, we just read it in Matthew uh, 11, 28. He said, come unto me and learn of me. The Father says back here in, in our text here in verse 13, he says, when you shall search for me with all your heart. You know, um, again, I wanna, I'm going to just uh, read verses 12 and 13. It says, then shall you call upon me and you shall, and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search with, for me with all your heart. It comes down to seeking the Lord, praying for the Lord. Go with me, if you would, now to um, um, Matthew chapter 6, and again, a very common verse. I try to let scriptures do as much of my talking for me as I can. But in Matthew chapter 6, and in verse 33, again, a common text, but it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The key, like I said, to seeking the giver instead of seeking the gift is to get your mind on it. It's, it's to, like I said, count your many blessings. Come to him in prayer. Don't be in a hurry to give your quick wish list and then bail out, but allow him to communicate with you but also to put into action the things that you're told to do. He says, and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The things that make us fearful, the things that make us worry, those things can be handled by God, but someone knocking on the door of your next door neighbor and sharing the gospel, God needs you for that. Now, he'll use somebody else, but you're the one that's handy, and you're one of his kids. And uh, the, like I said, anybody, it could be a coworker, it could be family members, it could be anybody else. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God, in other words, in his righteousness, in other words, get busy about his work, then it makes him obligated to get busy about your work. The things you can't do, God promises he will do if you get busy doing the things he's asked you to do. And uh, so he sits there and he, he, he te- Jesus tells us this. And then also, if you would, go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at starting in verse... Um, 17, Paul writing here, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That part in there in the middle, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. I mean, just think of how Paul is reaching for words to try to get your attention here, that you've got a God that's capable. You've got a God that can fix your problems. You've got a God that can alleviate your worry. You can trust in him. You can depend on him. He's not going to let you down. He doesn't do things by halves. But the thing is, are we seeking him or are we just seeking the gifts, the things that he can do for us? Because the peace isn't in the gift because next week there's a new worry coming. I mean, how many of us have just gotten over one financial problem to have a health issue pop up? Or if it's not with us, it's with someone else we love. The, the fixing of the problem isn't what's going to give you peace. It's the fixer of the problem that's going to give you peace. And your confidence in his ability, and that's the reason I talked about counting your many blessings. If you start counting your blessings and look back at what God's done for you in the past, what is it he can't fix today? What is it you're worrying about today that is taking away your peace? The fixer hasn't changed. You've just lost sight of him. You've taken your eyes off of him and put it on the problems. And that's the reason we've got to come unto him. We've got to learn unto him. We've got to search for him, in our, the Bible says, with all your heart. Because it's the God of our, it's our God, it's our Savior, it's our Heavenly Father that can continue to fix anything that's coming in your future. There's nothing that's going to catch him by surprise. And like I said, Paul's sitting here, I think, just trying to find words to to get our attention now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now I have asked for some things and I have thought of even some bigger things. Some of those fancies, you know, I hadn't bought the lottery ticket, but I, I've, you know, I, I've had some thoughts about what would be, this would be really nice. This would be really nice. And God's saying, you haven't even begun to think about what I've got waiting on you. Now, I must admit, if the streets are made out of gold, I've often wondered, what is the architecture going to be like of heaven? I mean, what is it going to be like? You know, I think the Lord's going to say, Rick, will you quit prying up those golden bricks? They're everywhere, you know. But, you know, the thing is, we're going to be so used to those type of things being valuable and then making streets out of them up there. But even in this life, God is faithful to take care of our needs. But our confidence, our peace, our joy is not going to be in the things that he fixes for us. Those are just things to remember who the fixer is. To put your confidence in him and trust him. Again, we see the um, the, the thing is, is let, let me look at this and I'll close it up in just a second. 
In verse uh, 18 it says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. What is the love of Christ? That he went to the cross for you. What more has anyone ever done for you? And what, what would he hold back? What would God the Father, what good gift would he hold back from you if it won't hurt you, won't ruin you, won't change your attitude about something in a way that's not beneficial to you in the long term? What good gift would he hold back from you um, after he's already been willing to go to the cross for you? That's the love of Christ. And then, like I said, he's able and plenty powerful to do anything that we can above and beyond what we can ask or think. And to give us, as he was talking back back in Jeremiah, a good, I'm adding the word good, expected end. We can have confidence in our God. We can walk through this life with our head up, not in pride, but in confidence in the God that loved us so much he went to the cross for us. We don't have to walk with our shoulders sagging, our head down, worried and confused about what's going on in this world because one day God's taking us out of this world. And then he's coming back with an iron rod and he's going to tune things up. But the thing is, until then, we're in his protected hand. But if we just keep our eyes on the gifts that we want, the things that we need fixed, the things we... There's always going to be a new list. There's always going to be a new list. And so there's no real comfort in that. There may be blessings in that, but there's not the comfort in it. The comfort is, is to seek the giver and not the gift. Thank you for your good attention. Brother Ray, would you close us in a word of prayer?